Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and joined, as always, by my magnificent host, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Great, Christian. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well, and I understand you have fantastic news to share. Oh, I do. Yes. My uh, youngest daughter just had uh, gave birth to her first child. And we're so excited. Uh, we're going to go meet Eleanor uh, right after we get off this this podcast. So, and it's spelled after the the Lord of the Rings, Flower Eleanor, by the way. Oh wow! Okay, congratulations to mom and daughter, and to you and your wife as well. That's super exciting, and uh, that that makes a grandchild number what for you? Spencer? Seven, number seven, seven, lucky seven. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you're going to have a great time. And and I, I know right after this, you're going to go over there and see them. So I don't want to keep you too long. So let's dive right <laughs> into this. Yeah, topic but you got here. some good news too, man. That I heard some great, some great, uh, exciting news for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had some good news uh, last week. We, we landed a very uh, substantial contract for us. Uh, I love that uh late last week and we're we're super excited uh to to get to work on this project i think it's going to be really really interesting this says so much about your uh value to to different organizations and i i couldn't be happier well thank you very much spencer uh and one of these days i hope to have uh great news like you on a grandchild but we're still we're still in a holding pattern on that but that's okay. No worries. We have a great topic. Yes. For our viewers and listeners today, it was spurred by this article that we uh, shared amongst each other that was published recently in the Harvard Business Review entitled How to Take Better Breaks at Work, according to research uh, by, I hope I pronounced these correctly, these names, uh, Jana Lubick and Duigu Birichik Gulserin. And uh, the premise of it was in today's in today's workplace, it's been reported that almost 60% of employees are feeling burnout. Uh, engagement is declining amongst US workers. And these uh, authors, they they researched or analyzed 80 different studies around breaks. And we'll talk about those, but Spencer, in our conversation leading up to to this podcast today, you mentioned that this is actually part of a broader challenge that organizations are facing, and so maybe you can kind of introduce us to that. Yeah, I mean, this is a you know one of the the latest reports on on a topic that has been studied and, and looked at for a, for a long time. I mean, productivity is is so important. Team performance, what we talk about, you know, almost weekly here is is so important for organizations to impact their bottom line in a, in a positive way. So we need uh, employees, team members that are engaged, that are excited about the work, that are energized, ready to come to work, they're able to focus and, and solve problems. But that has been a, an issue or a challenge for for decades. I mean, there are so many studies that have, have looked at this and there's a there's a concept called the, the, you know, the productivity paradox in today's society. And that is, it is 
easier and more difficult than ever to be productive. I mean, think of all the technology that we have, how productive we can be with our, with our phones, how, I mean, this is a, a mini computer that can do so much. I can do so many things on my phone from anywhere. We have software, we have applications that are uh, designed to streamline repetitive tasks so that we can focus our time and energy. I use a, a pretty complex uh, uh, CRM tool with Zoho that has uh, accounting, it has surveys, it has marketing tools, it has, it just has everything. And, and I can do that all in, in one place. But at the same time, this technology also makes it harder for us to focus. I mean, we are constantly bombarded with, you know, buzzers and, and uh, interruptions and emails. And, and so that, that, that creates some, some challenges for us. And if you look at the different types of, of workers that exist in, in all different fields, let, let's call, let's just divide them into low complexity, medium complexity, and high complexity uh, work. Low complexity work, uh, you know, like fast food or, 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 or just labor. Um, what a, a, a 1995 Harvard Business Review study found is that the most productive you know, producers in that space were three times more productive than the least. And if you look at medium complexity job, let's, uh, let's look at like medical device or high tech type of jobs. Um, the highest, most productive employee was 12 times more productive than the least productive. But when you look at high complexity jobs, for example, um, say investment bankers or software engineers, the, the difference between the, the highest producers and the lowest producers can be infinite. And so, you know, I think as our economy is, sh is shifting more and more towards medium and high complexity, our ability to be highly productive is is huge, but at the same time, as you just saw, sixty percent of people are burned out, are disengaged, and that's an alarming number. And part of it is because of just the the daily interruptions. Do you remember the the movie uh, Christian? Uh, what was it with with uh, what's <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, Minority Report. That's it. You remember? Oh the yeah, movie? yeah. And what's his name? Uh, Tom Cruise. The, Tom the Cruise. He walks into the Gap, and there's this uh, billboard that says, "You know, welcome back." And how did those T-shirts that you bought last time work out for you? You know, customized marketing is happening today, right? I mean, you talk about something, and your phone or your technology or Alexa or, or Siri listens to you. And pretty soon you start seeing those advertisements show up. I mean, I talk about sore back stuff. Guess what I see on my phone all the time, right? Or <laughs> knee pain or whatever. I see these ads customized for just for me. It's like, we don't even stand a chance today because, you know, based on what we watch on, on TV, you know, a lot of times on, on the Apple TV or Roku or whatever you use, we have customized marketing just for us and so that movie minority report is is coming to pass but it's just so much attention stealing technology and there and people are fighting for nanoseconds of our attention christian don't you agree i agree so this brings a question to me spencer 
Yeah. So on the one hand, it seems like we have, uh, as you mentioned, this paradox, we have all, all kinds of tools that will help us be more productive, but actually we might be less productive than we potentially are. And at the same time, we're feeling burned out while not being productive. <laughs> uh, so what what do you do here? You know, because it's easy to say, well, just, you know, take this device and, and uh, <laughs> you can't do it. that, but, but we can't, I mean, we're, we're, we're tethered to these. So, you know, you know, one of the things that's proposed here is, is be more effective in taking our breaks and, and recharging our batteries. Well, so and, and we, speak. and we got to get to that. And, and, and so, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun because before we do that, I, I forgot to mention, I mean, there's an energy crisis. So people are drinking caffeine and, and rock stars and, Mountain Dews and five hour energy. And I got caught up in that at one point. I've, I've weaned myself off of that. But this, there was a study done by the Franklin Covey folks for six years, over 351,613 people, North America, Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East, Latin America, um, just all these different parts of the world is where they studied people. And what they found, Christian, is that we're spending our time for 40% of our time on unimportant tasks. And so today it's harder to feel accomplished. That's part of the reason why we don't feel like our relationships are great. Our, our, you know, we're, we're developing our talents. We're, we're solving problems at work because we're spending so much of our time being tired and working on things that are not important. And part of the reason is, is if you think about how we've developed through the Industrial Revolution. I don't know if you ever saw, I'm going to reference another movie, but this goes way back. It's called Modern Times with uh, Charlie Chaplin, where he's working in a factory. And all he did all day long was tighten two bolts with, with, these, with these big wrenches. And he could, he'd go on a break and his arms would just keep moving like he was tightening these wrenches. That's all he did. It, it, originally, during the Industrial Revolution, we broke down all the tasks into linear, progressive tasks. The problem is, is today, you and I still attack all the problems that are coming to us in a linear fashion. I mean, think about how often we have to-do lists and checklists. And most executives that I coach, Christian, are just dealing with the problems as they come. And so as a result, part of the reason why we're working on important things is because we get interrupted by everybody else's priorities and we're not controlling our own priorities. And when we don't have a sense of control, our satisfaction diminishes and it drains our energy. We're not, you come into the work with workplace with your plan. Hey, I'm going to get all these things done and you get bombarded with everybody else's priorities and all the buzzers and buttons and, and, and whistles. So part of the answer is, to know what your priorities are, have an overarching goal of what it is you want to accomplish. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go, but learning how to prioritize tasks. When things come to you, is this something I need to do right now? Or is this something that needs to be reprioritized for later? Even other people's priorities, such as emails coming in your inbox. All right, so this takes me to a couple, uh, you're you're taking me to a couple of questions here, Spencer. (laughs) Uh, you know, thinking back to the modern times, Charlie Chaplin thing, like you said, uh, it was very industrial. The, it was assembly line. Everybody played this small part. I did my, my one thing. 
And I did that all day long and that's all I did, right? So, uh, all right. Those priorities were set by a supervisor or a manager, uh, you know, up to a plant manager and then above that. So I didn't have a lot of say uh, in in determining what I was going to do, you know, uh, and you know, over time, we've seen that evolve, especially with knowledge workers, where we have a we have more autonomy in our minute to minute choices. Hence, right? medium to high complexity economy today. Right. So, so if I understand what you're saying, is uh, we, generally speaking, could perhaps do a better job <laughs> of organizing ourselves and and defining and prioritizing tasks based on their importance their impact uh, their their outcomes etc that's one thing that we get to do correct and understand what's what's important to you and so for example we're talking about taking breaks what are things that we need to prioritize in our life exercise family recharging our batteries, um, self-development, you know, study, whatever that is, leadership development or meditation. There are things that we need to, to spend time on. And some people are listening to this saying, well, wait a minute, I, I don't have time for that. Well, the, the challenge that we have is we have a limited amount of energy. Think of your energy as, you know, you got a battery. And what's interesting, Christian, everybody has a different size battery. And just because you have a battery that needs to be recharged faster does not mean you're lazy or somebody that has a bigger battery that goes longer means that they're, you know, that they're more productive. What One of the things that, that I do as a behavioral analyst, when we take an assessment, I use a tool that actually measures people's battery size. It's called kinetic energy. That's physical, emotional, and mental energy. And it's it's how long you can go and do the work without losing your mental edge. And that's, that's productive time. And so part of that is understanding that throughout the day, your energy is going to be drawn down. And this is a concept called ego depletion by uh, another stu- uh, uh, psychologist, Roy Baumeister. And so, you know, you, you talk about making time for priorities. If you, if you do that... Do you remember talking about Parkinson's law? I'm, I'm throwing a lot of things, but they all are related. Parkinson's law right. says we, we, we usually fill the day, work expands to fill the time available, right? And so what happens is, is if I fill the time available, oftentimes it's, it's coming at me with unimportant things. And, and so my important tasks that I'm only spending 60% of my time on, I'm spending 40% of my time on things that are unimportant that I could reprioritize into higher productivity tasks because I only have a limited amount of energy. Your energy might, I I might have to recharge sooner than you do. And so I need to know what my energy is. I need to know, you know, what is it that recharges my batteries? And this ego depletion is... have you ever gone through the end of the day, Christian, and didn't, you've been sitting in your chair the whole day and you are physically exhausted because you've been solving problems and doing mental work? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've definitely been there. Yeah. Definitely it feels like you've there. been at the gym, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. 
mental work can be physically exhausting. That's right. And so some of the things that depletes our, our, our energy can be even adapting our, uh, uh, our behavioral style, our communication style, uh, working on, on, on complex problems. And so doing that at a time when your energy is highest is important. Yet when I talk to executives all over the world, a lot of times they're just taking the problems as they come. And some of them just work on the easy stuff because they want to get a lot of stuff checked off their list. And as a result, they're procrastinating the more difficult things. So if you take into account this idea of Parkinson's law, what would happen if you actually scheduled time for breaks, time for exercise, time for family, put those on the calendar? What would that do? That means there's less time to get all, everything done. So you actually force yourself to do more in less time. Well, the good news is, is that that less time that you have will be more focused and more productive. Parkinson's law shows that. You are, think about the day before you go on vacation, how much you get done. What if on a micro level you do that throughout the day? You know, I know I have to... <coughs> Excuse me. I have a lunch appointment with Christian <coughs> and, and Patrick. I'm going to get a lot done before that. Right? And so I put those things on my calendar first. I prioritize things that are important to me. And part of that priority may actually be time to solve problems where I have no interruptions, where I'm focused on, on solving a problem. So I'm, I'm narrowing my productive time. You see, there's a concept called production, production capability. If you run your, your car without ever changing the oil, without ever taking care of it, what's going to happen? Oh, it's going to break down eventually, right? It's going to break down yeah. and it's going to cost a lot of money and it's not going to be able to take you places. Our bodies are the same way. The more we just work and work and work and work without caring for them, the less productive they become. And we must care for our own production capability by caring for our, 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 ourselves so that we can be productive. The production capability is rest, is eating well, is taking breaks so that when we come to work and managing our priorities properly, and when we do that, we have so much more energy, so much more productivity. So I, I wanted to set that up. I hope all of that made sense and I didn't ramble too much if you're listening. <laughs> well, I like the battery analogy for a couple of reasons. Well, many reasons, but just a couple additional things I'd like to mention. Number one yeah. is uh, although we may have these uh, innate differences in battery capacity, it's possible because of lifestyle choices or because of our own, uh, you know, things that are going on outside of work, that these batteries may never fully recharge. I may start the day with a 60% charge because right, right. I didn't sleep well last night. I was stressed out over a family situation or finances or things like this. And so exactly. we may not even have a full charge to begin with. And then another thing, just taking this battery analogy another step further is... Uh, our batteries may drain faster or slower depending on environmental conditions, just like Absolutely. an electric car, right? Uh, the you know electric vehicles batteries will deplete quicker in cold weather uh, than they would in weather you know that's it's more temperate, and and we have to be aware of that ourselves. You know, sometimes if we're in situations 
you know, depending on those situations, that battery that we have may deplete faster than it would in other situations. And so I think it's important for us to, to take control of our environments a little bit right. to make sure that we can charge those batteries more fully and that, that they drain more steadily rather than rapidly, you know, depending on the, the depending on the conditions. So, so let's talk about how we do that more. I mean, a couple that we, we've already talked about, you know, prioritizing things that are important to you. Uh, I think Stephen, you know, Stephen Covey talked about that in his time management matrix. He called about the, he called those activities important, but not urgent, right? Production capability enhancing, working on your environment, working on yourself. Uh, but most of us spend time in urgent and important. That's fighting fires, other people's priorities, you know, taking those activities or demands as they come. But he's saying, great, we're always going to have those fires. But if we can shift some of our energy into prevention, to recharging that battery, then the time that we have to do the work that is important um, can be more productive. It's just it's just no good. I mean, my son-in-law uh, and, and his brother, they both, you know, he, my son-in-law worked for Bain. His brother worked for Goldman Sachs. There are some companies that have a culture, Christian, where it's expected that you work 80 to 100 hours a week. Now, these kids are out of college. They're bright. They're hardworking. They're hungry. But they can only do it for a couple of years because they're spent after that. I mean, they, they, they can't have lives. They can't have families. They just, it's all work. And so the, the, the stress and the anxiety that that creates, uh, creates a, a situation where they have to eventually leave. They just, they can't stay or they get made partner and they eventually now get to work 60 to 70 hours a week. <laughs> so, um, but there are organizations where that is the norm. And what we've found based on these studies and every other study is that working longer and harder and just pushing through is not the way to go. You'll make more mistakes. I remember coaching an attorney who was a litigator, Christian, and, and what was happening was he had a he had some challenges with his natural personality traits that were not typically what a litigator requires. And so he had to spend a lot of energy in being assertive and doing certain things. And, and he on top of that, he wasn't as organized as he needed to be. And so what would happen is he'd make mistakes even though he had a personality that wanted things to be accurate and, and perfect and be prepared, he never was. And it was creating burdens for the partners because he was, you know, kept, it was like a cascading effect, became less and less and less productive. And it's not okay to just push through because you'll make more mistakes and cost more, you know, create more expenses. So what about this, Spencer? I have this phone yep. and I find myself, you know, working on something for an hour and then my brain starts to get tired. <laughs> and in the meantime, alerts and notifications have been popping on this thing. And so I'm like, oh, I need to take a little bit of break. I pull this thing out. I start answering text. I start commenting on or responding to LinkedIn post comments. I, I'm doing all this stuff. And then 25 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I guess I got to get back to work. I mean, is this a good break 
is this mobile so, device is, it, is you, this good to use during breaks yeah let me feel, to ask you how you feel after you've done that do you feel energized after you've done no, that? i actually feel more tired yeah <laughs> it's, like, it, it's it is actually it, and according to this this research uh, this most recent one that you just mentioned um 93% of us will spend our break time on social media and it is not, re- it, it is not recharging. It is not energizing. It is actually depleting and frustrating. <laughs> and so it, it's draining our energy even more. So I turn, I turn almost all my notifications off. I don't think I've had my, only my wife's texts make a noise or vibrate. My phone doesn't ring. Uh, <laughs> I've, I, you know, I may see it on my watch if it's somebody I need to talk to or, uh, I, my emails don't, don't buzz. I don't get, I, I just, I refuse to get all these interruptions because, I, you know, with the technology I have, I could be constantly being interrupted. So that is not a great way to recharge. So we should talk about how to have breaks. I mean, so what, what, what have you what have you found based on this, these studies of 80, analyzing 80 studies, and apparently it was Zaha Premji, Timothy Wingate, Connie Dang, and, and Lisa Ballinger and T- Nick Turner talked about how pausing throughout the day recharges our batteries. And what are some of the things that they found that, does, that do work? Uh, well, going outside, you know, getting out of your chair, and going out and breathing some fresh air, maybe taking a walk, maybe just sitting in a park, maybe, uh, yeah, just just breathing in that fresh air. It doesn't have to be a long period of time, but just get out of the environment that you're in and get into another one that's going to refresh you. That that that, that was an important one, I think. And what if you what if there is no green space? What if you can't get outside? I mean, what what else can we do to take a break? And how long should they be? Well. From the research, and also based on what you said, it varies, uh, and some of that may vary based on individual. Like you said, we have our own different capacities, uh, and some of us may be more energized in the morning, maybe more energized in the afternoon. You know what they suggest is maybe taking longer breaks in the in the afternoon because you might be more depleted in the afternoon and taking shorter breaks in the morning. But everybody kind of has to monitor their own. I wish. I had the five bars like on the top of my forehead or on my, <laughs> you know, on my wrist or something. It's like, oh wow, I'm down to twenty percent. I need to, uh, I need to take a break. I need but, some vitamin D, or yeah. <laughs> I need to go walk my dog or snuggle. Now, the the research on on pets is is somewhat inconclusive, but I think most of us recognize that a, a dog uh, can just rejuvenate our our soul and make us happy and and make us feel good so maybe just a quick walk outside with the dog and and getting some licks on the face is is just the ticket right oh yeah well i'm not a pet person personally but but i don't have any animosity toward pet people i think that's you know (laughs) good good for them that they have these these companions as long as you clean up after them i think that's great but uh you know another thing that we need to consider is uh what kind of if if we're in leadership positions what kind of culture are we setting or what kind of example are we setting as leaders you know and are we pushing people either explicitly or implicitly 
to not take breaks, to not recharge. You know, uh, I don't know what you've seen in, in the work that you've done with executives all over the world, Spencer, but, you know, uh, what can executives do or team leaders do to help foster a culture of productivity, but also one of well-being? Yeah, and that's it, it's really uh, important that, that they do that because what happens sometimes is we have this, as you said, sometimes explicit, but many times implicit, right? The boss comes in early, stays late, and there's this unwritten culture that you, you, you stay until 7 o'clock at night. And that's just what's what's expected. I have another son-in-law who's an attorney, and you know he his his team keeps telling him, you know, you need to you need to go home, you need to shut off your computer. And he keeps saying, well, you know, I've got all this work I need to respond to. And and in that case, it's the it's the inverse, right? The employee is spending all the time, and management is saying, no, it's time to it's time to shut down and go home. And so making sure that you set boundaries as to what is expected um be, lead by example you know go home have a life you know work to uh to live not live to work you know if you have a a, a pet you know take take a break with with uh with your pet and let your employees see it go outside yourself Take a take a lunch break. Take some people on, uh, you know, your team on a lunch break, and and say, hey, we're not talking about work. We're talking about you know life, and and just get to know each other and spend time doing those kinds of things. So, I mean, there, there's several things that you can do to take a break. You can exercise. You can, of course, we talked about social media. That's not a great way, but going for a short walk, socializing with others. Believe it or not, that can be. Uh, that can be productive. We have to be careful that we're not interrupting other people's, uh, you know, productive time. But if there are social spaces for gathering where people go to take a break, you know, a ping pong table or a break room or something where people can just let off some steam, well, then that's appropriate that because other people are having, you know, a break at the same time you are. And, and giving some autonomy about how people use their break, right? I mean, if we mandate breaks at a certain time, well, then that's actually not very effective because we are taking control away from employees. And as you mentioned earlier, I think one of the uh, you know hallmarks of, of our economy today is the workers are very independent today. And it's something that actually increases satisfaction is when people have control over their lives. So if you can give them control over something as simple as when do they go to lunch, when do they take their breaks within, within you know, reasonable parameters, that's something that is, I think, very empowering and, and recharging. So I've got a couple of comments. Not, number one, not all industries uh, allow that, right? I mean, we could be involved in customer service or we're in retail or working in uh, uh, the restaurant industry or whatever like that. And, and sometimes you just have to have these scheduled breaks because otherwise you don't have enough people on the floor to do the work. But uh, I agree with what you're saying that in, in a, in a knowledge environment uh, you know, we should have a little bit more autonomy. One thing that I want to talk about on the culture side, you know, I, I was recently having a conversation with a, with an individual, this person's an attorney who recently joined a firm you know, and the and you know the pre one of the reasons that they they joined this firm was promoting this work life balance and uh, 
So not the Goldman Sachs, Bain type of uh, uh, environment, but something that's a a lot more relaxed and and so on and so forth. But when when he got there, he overheard conversations uh, the partners were having. So he just, you know, happened to be in the room or whatever. And the, and the partners, uh, on occasion, you know, they would talk about such and such individual who just really wasn't putting in the effort or, or, and even, you know, recalling things that happened five years ago where this person, um, just wasn't, uh, as productive as they thought that they could be. And so even though the company policies are set up so that it it's it's all about this work-life balance and, make, and and not having too many billable hours and all this kind of stuff, the leaders, just by the conversations that they're having amongst themselves, are promoting an environment of fear that if I don't bust my tail all the time, if I'm not available 24 seven to take this call and address this urgent situation, then I'm viewed as not reliable. And we're dedicated. I'm not going to be called on for future work. And so people are feeling tense. There's, there's a, you know, there's a feeling of insecurity when it comes to employment and things like this because the partners are having these kinds of conversations and it completely flips on its head. You know, what what their HR department is trying to push through, you know, with policies uh, to promote work-life balance. And I think we need to be cognizant of that as leaders. We need to be careful about how we talk about people in our firm, in our organization, because if we're if we're saying, yeah, yeah, well, I had this urgent deadline and so and so never answered the phone and didn't step up to the plate, then what we're doing is we're signaling to our folks, you better be around and you better be available to answer the phone. I don't care if you're on vacation. I don't care if it's 10 o'clock at night. You better darn well pick up the phone. Right. And it just completely negates all of this stuff that we're talking about, you know, with taking breaks. So I'm just curious you know, how, how you would react to this kind of a situation. And if you've seen this in uh, organizations that you've worked with over the years. Absolutely. I see it all the time. There was actually a, and, I, and one of the places I see it is also in, in, you know, professional uh, services firms like CPA firms. There's uh, one firm that I, I, I'm aware of where the managing partner uh, now in, in his 70s, still working 80 hours a week and expecting all the other partners to, to be able to, to do that as well. And one of the impacts that that's having is they're not able to recruit new Gen Z uh, kids coming out of college. They just, they just don't want to be part of that. They want to be able to have time for life, for, for you know, development, for uh, they they want to do something meaningful, and sometimes you know just counting beans all day is not. When you just focus on one thing throughout your life, uh, you know if it's just work, there's no multifaceted dimensions to your life, and so when the problems at work show up, they have a, a bigger negative impact. But if, if I've got Spencer, the, you know, the father, Spencer, the, the grandfather, the, you know, the husband, the, 
you know, the, the outdoorsman, the, uh, you know, youth leader, uh, the, the church leader, uh, the, the businessman, the, the coach, I have all of this, these different parts of my life that there's one challenge going over here. It's a, it's, it, it doesn't have the same impact. If I have balance, you know, and, and life balance is, is, is really a myth, right? But if I have uh, social uh, experiences, I have entertainment, I have, you know, sports pursuits. I, you know, my wife and I buy season tickets to, to plays where, you know, we've scheduled time to go see uh, the Laver Cup in Vancouver. Why? Because we love tennis. Well, we've planned that. We made time to go see the, the Rose Bowl and, and do things that are, you know, sporting events are, are fantastic for recharging, for just being with people and cheering. Last night we were cheering for our Vegas Golden Knights, won the second game for the Stanley Cubs. We were ecstatic and just having fun. There's other stuff to our life than just the problems that show up at work. And so this firm is having a problem because they are so one unidimensional focused on work. And I've coached many CPAs that have similar problems. One of them was getting all kinds of pressure from the partners because he was so perfectionistic. This was, this was a, a personality challenge. It would take him so long to handle all the client's questions that he would, he, he would fall behind because he, he never wanted to be wrong, knew the answers, but he had to research it to make sure that he was right. And so sometimes it's, it's a behavioral issue where we're, we're having a productivity challenge and that can be coached, right? And we can work through stuff like that. Um, and I think pressure from, from the partners to, to be more productive and, and to work through some of that stuff uh, can be handled better than it was in this situation. Sometimes it's just get more stuff done and they put pressure on and that actually exacerbates the problem. So I do see that a lot. It was a long answer, but yes, you're right. We do have well, one last thing. I, one last thing that I wanted to ask you about, Spencer, yeah. is is things have evolved since COVID. A lot of people are working remotely, which adds yeah. another dimension to making sure that you can recharge your batteries and you can take breaks. So, what are you seeing out in the world today uh, with remote workers and how they are recharging or not recharging their batteries? Well, I just actually saw an article on this last night. Um, I don't know if I, I hesitate, <laughs> but it was saying that uh, in England, there, there's a study because of remote work, it's allowing people to have more intimacy in their life. I think one in 10 is taking, you know, taking some break time to, uh, to enjoy <laughs> some, some other hey, no better way to recharge batteries. batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, just working remotely, you <laughs> Uh, it, it, what they're finding is, is if you work remotely, it's easier for you to go get your nails done or to, uh, you know, go get a, a, a massage or something that, you know, instead of t spending so much time on commuting, you can take some of that time and, and apply it to things that you want to do for yourself. Yeah, I, I see that too. I, I, although I do feel personally, I have a challenge because I can tell when my energy is getting depleted a little bit, but my go-to is to just get up and walk into the kitchen and I open the refrigerator door and I look in there and then I open up a cupboard and I look in there and I think, oh, that looks kind of tasty. I end up, uh, <laughs> yes. I, I end up, uh, having a lot of snack breaks. Uh, <laughs> I find that doing that a lot more remotely than I did when I was, uh, 
when I was working in an office. Well, what uh, what other advice do you have? What other things are you seeing, Spencer? Uh, before we wrap it up today, so I, I think we've 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 talked a lot. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I, I could add to this, there there was another study. Let me just share one more study, and it's a Harvard Business Review uh, report that is really good. It's called "Manage Your Energy, Not Your Time," and the idea, briefly, is. When I mean, there's there's spiritual energy, there's emotional energy, there's physical energy. Even just exercising, taking time to exercise will create a cognitive boost for up to 20 hours. I don't know if you've ever felt, if you got a test coming, it's like, hey, I'm just, it's like I just got to grind and study. Sometimes taking a break and exercising makes your mind sharper. And they found that, um, and this was done in, in 2007, uh, Wachovia Bank participated, uh, employees participated in a study, and when they managed their energy, it went straight to the bottom line. They found a 13 percentage point greater year-over-year increase in revenue from those people who were able to take time and take breaks and exercise. And, and, and then there was a, a, another group. Year-over-year, they had a control group and an exercise group that were managing their breaks in energy. They found um, increases in revenues by 20%. So I have one little thing that I think our listeners would be interested in. How about just a little, a, a few questions to see how, if they're headed for an energy crisis. How's that? No, let's do it. Okay. What are the questions? So, so body one. Now, uh, uh, the first is, is about body. So ask yourself, I don't regularly get at least seven to eight hours of sleep, and I often wake up feeling tired. Okay. So um, what you need to do is you need to, to score yourself on um, if, if, if you have a four, for example, if that's four, uh, zero to four. So if that's not true for you, put a zero. If it's somewhat true, a one. If it's, if it's, you know, significant, so zero to four. So I did not, I don't regularly get sleeped seven to eight hours. So on a scale from zero to four myself, I would say one, I, I do pretty well in the sleep area, but this morning I woke up at five 30. I don't know. I just, and then I went through my morning routine. Number two, I frequently skip breakfast or I settle for something that isn't nutritious. So if that's not you, that's a zero. If that is you, it's a four. Makes sense? Yeah. Um, I don't work out enough, meaning cardiovascular training at least three times a week and strength training at least once a week. I don't take regular breaks during the day to truly renew and recharge or I often eat lunch at my desk if I eat at all. So that's the body. Now think about your scores. How you you know how you doing? If um, if if you only got zero to three in that area, you're doing excellent. If you got four to six, you have reasonable energy management skills. If you got seven to ten, you have significant energy deficits. If you got eleven to sixteen, you're in big trouble. All right, emotions, <laughs> emotional energy. I frequently find myself feeling irritable, impatient, or anxious at work, especially when work is demanding. I don't have enough time with my family and loved ones when I'm with them. I'm not always really with them. 
I have too little time for activities that I most deeply enjoy. I don't stop frequently enough to express my appreciation to others and to savor my accomplishments and blessings. Those, those are pretty important questions to ask, right? Yeah. Got one more, uh, two more. Mind. Here's your mind. I have difficulty focusing on one thing at a time, and I am easily distracted during the day, especially by email. I spend much of my day reacting to immediate crises and demands rather than focusing on activities with a longer-term value and high leverage, which is what I was talking about in the beginning, right? I don't take enough time for reflection, strategizing, and creative thinking. I work in the evenings or on weekends, and I almost never take an email-free vacation. I fasted from Instagram for an entire week. It was awesome. Spirit, this is the last one. I don't spend enough time at work doing what I do best and enjoy most. There are significant gaps between what I say is most important to me in my life and how I actually allocate my time and energy. My decisions at work are more often influenced by external demands than by a strong, clear sense of my own purpose. And lastly, I don't invest enough time and energy in making positive difference to others or to the world. And you think those are good questions to kind of self-evaluate? Yeah, I think they're good questions. Well, what happens if you're like, okay, well, I feel pretty good. I'm just, you know, me personally, I'm like, all right, I'm making mental notes here. I feel pretty good on the emotional side, the physical uh, side, not so much. Yeah. And uh, the mind thing is a bit of a mix. I'll, I'll be honest with the, yeah. with the spirit uh, thing. It's kind of in the middle. Some areas, okay. Others uh, definitely need improvement. And so I, I suspect that there are strategies to help you uh, if you have the desire to change those scores. Right. Um, right. Well, what I'm also from curious, Australia. Though, uh, that, that yeah. About- Lisa Sands. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think you have to be a, you know, a gym rat. I think just even just getting outside in that green space, uh, eating healthy, you know, getting, getting, a, getting a massage. I, I try to do that at least once a month or, you know, getting, just doing some things that, that make you feel good. I think those are great places to start. And do you typically find correlations or say, oh, well, uh, if I have a deficit in this area, then I more likely will have a deficit in other areas as well. Or is it, are, you know, are there linkages, for example, between the physical, you know, body and the mind or the emotions, you know, et cetera? Most, most absolutely. And what I fit is actually one of the things I recommend our listeners, if they want to take a, uh, one of my pro scan uh, assessments, one of the things that it will measure is their kinetic energy, how much of it is being drained by six environments, their work, their home, their social life, their beliefs, their health, their financial situation, all of those things will can create distress. And this will measure the level of distress they're under and as a result, satisfaction. So, uh, and, and that's related to your satisfaction, your engagement. As we talked about in the very beginning, right now, 60% are not engaged they're not satisfied, and as a result, productivity is falling. When productivity falls, 
we don't feel as good about ourselves. We our opportunities are diminished. We are looking for some, you know, out. Uh, we, you know, we come home drained, and as a result, our family doesn't get the best of us. You know, they get our frustrated self, and, and then that just spirals, and it, it impact everything impacts everything else. <laughs> That's what I find. Yeah, I, I think I find that too. Okay, fascinating conversation, Spencer. I'm going to go let you recharge your batteries by meeting and seeing your baby granddaughter. I yes, think it's, thank uh, you. Absolutely amazing. You've helped so many organizations over decades uh, improve their performance and and become more productive. If our listeners, our viewers, are interested in learning more about how you can help them, if they want to take this ProScan survey, you know, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, message me. Thank you, Christian. Message me on LinkedIn. We actually had Dr. Elwanda uh, make a couple of comments while we were talking today uh, just about our our discussion today. So that's a great way to just reach out to me uh, on on LinkedIn. And Christian, how about you? I mean, major organizations that are hiring you to to serve them. How how do people find you? Uh, people uh, can find me on LinkedIn as well. That's the easiest way to do it. Just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with anyone and and have a conversation. So Spencer, thank you so much for uh, bringing this topic to our attention. And I look forward to taking a nice productive break now, as do you. <laughs> and listeners and subscribers or listeners and viewers, please like and subscribe to our podcast. We're grateful for you, and we'll catch you again soon.